Welcome to DT Madness Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 1, April 2nd, 2022. So glad you could make it. Well, this is my first venture into podcasting. I posted a superlative on the old Instagram the other day about one of my greatest albums of all time and the right reverend of Stoneshire, co-pastor of Martin's Creek, with very good reason, called me out and said that uh, that top five entry wouldn't last a month. I've been known to utter a superlative here and there in my in my time. In my defense, it it always does feel like the greatest song or the greatest album or the greatest day of my life, the best ice cream that I have ever tasted. I don't think I just use the words flippantly, but uh pretty good to always be having the best day, even through the tough times, but I digress. So the post was about the top five albums, um, and to easily display how accurate Matt was about calling me out, here are a million qualifications about what makes this list. I'm not talking about live albums. Um, uh, If I was talking about live albums, then... A lot of widespread panic or Grateful Dead. Unfortunately, at this time, those albums named Dick's Picks uh, would make the cut. Uh, I'm a huge live music fan. In fact, for the past year or so, after about a 20-year break, um, after Big Cypress, all I've really listened to is Fish Radio on the on the Sirius XM. Um, but live music, I think, also rules out the Broadway live recordings of Hamilton, of Les Mis, of Phantom. It rules out the uh, the MTV Unplugged of 10,000 Maniacs, and there's nothing more than I like to wail along with Natalie Merchant, even when I have no idea what she's saying. I'll just make up some, some jumbled random syllables. I'm not talking about the greatest hits albums, none of that either. Uh, Billy Joel, or as Jim Gaffigan says, Billy Joel. Um, had a bunch of memories and great times listening to his greatest hits one and two. Uh, so solid. Greatest hits down the line. I mean, you could name a million of them, James Taylor, whatever. Uh, not even necessarily the best or the overall favorite album of a particular artist. Um, there's so many. I love music. Music is always playing uh, when I can help it. And so I could spend years and years trying to break down this type of list. But the five albums that have stood the test of time, these are the, this is the criteria that I'm using today. These albums have, have stood the test of time. They're, they're really solid start to finish. And they evoke memories. Like these are albums that I have real true connections with. They, uh, they bring forth memories of joy and and devastation, I mean, and the gamut, the full gamut of emotions. Um, so let's get started. 
the the post the original post that I made was that uh, that Pontiac by Lyle Lovett was was one of my all time favorite albums or best albums in my life, and that was this is the uh, uh, the trigger that led to the podcasting career. Um, as Matt said, I should wrestle down by the river with my five albums, and uh, I'm in my nook, not at the river. But Pontiac by Lyle Lovett. You know, musically, it's it's really good, start to finish. If I had a boat, um, what a what a great song! Uh, what what amazing um, lyrics to that one. Give back my heart, you redneck woman. Follows that, and then it kind of slows down. I loved you yesterday. The 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 walk through the bottomland, a, a a song about she's no lady, she's my wife, and then it slows down into a couple of ballads. Again. Um, just really good music by Lyle Lovett. And I don't know if you remember this guy, I think he used to be married to Julia Roberts. And when you take a look at him, you're kind of like, Oh, well, I'm in good shape. Um, but he's a phenomenal artist. Uh, my granddaddy was a preacher man, like an old school fire and brimstone conservative fundamentalist down in Gaffney and other places. And so on Saturdays we would drive down, uh, to, to Gaffney just across the line. And we would spend spend the day. Sometimes we would go on Sundays and visit his church as well. But but it was a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon kind of deal. And we would drive down. And we would hang out there with with my granddaddy Herman and and Granny Billy, um, my mom and and my, my dad's people. Um, my dad actually went to seminary. He was on his way to becoming a preacher man. Uh, he was in seminary in Louisville as uh as the they would say around here when the liberals had taken over and so you know herman and larry their their uh religious education their religious outlooks are uh different we can we can just say that um but i've realized over time that even though my dad didn't finish seminary my 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 mom's father got sick and so uh, they came back here um came back to boiling springs to live but um my dad has been a pastor you know, all his own, all his life in his own way. And, uh, the more and more I'm, the more and more I live, the more I recognize that showing up, that offering a kind word to somebody, you know, that, uh, just being present, um, being contemplative, giving and giving and giving, um, challenging the status quo, those kinds of things have been very pastoral to me. But another thing, that my dad was that he contributed to me was his love of music and on those drives down to Gaffney we would always be listening to music magic 96.1 which was the oldie station back in the day we would we would listen to the Oak Ridge Boys and some of their gospel albums and even Edie Brickell once in a while my dad had a big uh liking for Edie Brickell but La Love It was one of those and we would listen to Pontiac this album on the way on the way down. And this is back in the days of cassettes, which are not as easy in some ways as records. I mean, they don't necessarily get scratched up, but you're almost forced to listen front to back when you're listening to uh, a cassette because you can't just pick the the needle up and drop it down on the next groove. Um, Thankfully, our newer model Escort at the time, that would have been late 80s, early 90s would actually flip the tape for you so you didn't have to eject it 
and then flip it over to side B, it would do that for you. But for those of you who are old enough to remember cassettes, you know that sometimes the tape would, would get tangled up and you'd have to have real patience and skills to try to wind it back in onto its track with, uh, with a pencil if you had it or if you had real skills with your pinky. But yeah, Pontiac, what a line. Um, Tonto, he got smart and one day said, Kimasabi, kiss my ass, I bought a boat. I'm going out to sea. Um, ends the whole album with, were well, you ugly too? Uh, so anyway, number one, and these aren't in order other than chronologically as best as I could remember them. But number one is Pontiac. Number two is Crash by Dave Matthews Band. Um, you know, remember two things and under the table and dreaming were the albums that were, uh, that we were blaring back early days of high school. Uh, we actually went to the, the first kind of big concert, rock concert that me and my friends went to was in December of 95. We went to the old Charlotte Coliseum. My friend Tove had a, had the hookup at the sound shop. And so we were able to get the, basically the whole second row. There were eight or nine of us and we were all on the second row seeing Dave play. I remember laying out in, in the grass um, up in Charlotte somewhere with some girls we met from North Met uh, at a at Windy Gap, you know, and we were uh, listening to satellite and seeing, you know, the stars and the satellites in the sky. And we were like, oh, man. Um, so so Dave has been a, a big part of, of my musical journey. Um, Crash came out April 30th, 1996. So right at the end, you know, right before we graduated, uh, my email is still worldwide nine, six, um, you know, so much of my identity is wrapped up in this idea of nine, six and 96 and the guys that we graduated with the people that we graduated with, um, still friends 22 years later. And, you know, it, I'm going through it again because now it's the 22 and my first boy is getting ready to graduate from Crest High School um, once again. But Crash, you know, I would also argue that this is their best album, that this is Dave Matthews Band's best album, top to bottom. There aren't really any skippable tracks on here. And, and, and man, I mean, 41, number 41 has is, is got to be in the top tier of his best songs altogether. And as it goes into Say Goodbye, I mean, that's just, that's just amazing music. You know, Lie in Our Graves, Cry Freedom, and you got the hard driving tunes like Drive In and Drive Out, Too Much, you know, so good musically. But, but Crash takes me back to Davidson College, or maybe more accurately away from it. You know, still after two decades, I, I try to analyze or psychoanalyze myself about what happened that year that I was a student at Davidson College. I mean, first semester I had a 2.5 GPA, which is average for freshmen at Davidson because that junk is tough. I made a B in, in freshman comp um, English and still to this day, probably the, the proudest grade that I've ever, that I've ever received. I was, I was the pledge class president for, for SIGET there. Um, and so things were going okay. Uh, at Davidson first semester, I was, I was doing all right. And the second semester, not so much. I didn't make it to class very often. I didn't make it to my work study job very often. I was sleeping or I was 
you know, on the road, running away, you know, essentially. I don't know what kind of depression I was dealing with. And um, I've always had a penchant uh, for addictive kinds of behaviors to deal with to deal with my anxieties and to deal with my depressions. And and that was certainly part of the deal going on at Davidson. It was a dark time. It was, it was a dark time, but there was light, you know, those, those 96 boys, they, uh, they let me rest in Raleigh and Chapel Hill and Wilmington. They offered me, um, a place to, to lay my head as I was running to escape, whatever it was. I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever fully comprehend what was, what was the deal? I, I do tell the story to, to my kids and to my students that, you know, if, if I wouldn't have failed, if I wouldn't have, have hit that rock bottom, then I wouldn't be where I am today with, um, with all the blessings that I have. And so, you know, failure is, is okay. Um, and the Davidson, the Davidson cats were a light to me. Um, I realized after reconnecting with some of them via, via the Facebook after all these years that, that they really were concerned. They really did care for me. And one of my guys, Jay, he would let me drive his, he would let me drive his car um, down to Charlotte because, well, I had an 86 Mustang, you know, Melba T. Um, and it was a Mustang and it had six cylinders. And so it would go, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit rusted out. I had to keep a pocket knife and some jugs of water because my hoses were so rotted and um, my car would overheat quite a bit. One time I'm driving through campus and the horn just got stuck. I'm just driving through Davidson College. It's like, wah, you know, fully blasting the horn. I just had to kind of rip it off and and make it stop. And so, yeah, it wasn't the most reliable vehicle, even though I did love it. Um, and I think all it had was a, maybe it had a cassette player. I can't really remember. But Jay would let me drive his Volvo. And I mean, it was like, you know, brand new 1996 cherry red Volvo with with the CD player in it and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and the, the album that was in there as I would drive to Charlotte and back, um, to, to escape, I was going to see some of my other guys from, from the nine six and, um, but the album that was in there was crash and I would listen to it, you know, front to back. And, um, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, in a way, I used to play for all of the loneliness, all of the loneliness that nobody notices now. In a way, I used to play for all of the loneliness that nobody notices now, sings Dave in number 41. So yeah, Crash. The third one is Ain't Life Grand, Widespread Panic. I mean, I had to. It's been so much of my life. It's a continuous debate, you know, like... What's the best album even of Widespread Panic when we're just talking about studio albums? And it'd be hard to argue against Bombs and Butterflies, but, you know, you could keep on going. But I think this is the one for me, Ain't Life Grand. I know it's the one that got me into Widespread Panic. I mean, opening out of the gate with Little Ken, with, with JB just grinding on that guitar and, and growling those lyrics. Ain't Life Grand, you know, the title track. In my mind, I was a child and it felt good. Heroes, you got Mikey on Raise the Roof, Jacks on this album, and Can't Get High, which is a, a Bloodkin cover. Um, but it's got the lyrics, you know, I set sail for the new world and I burned down the mast, which has been so meaningful to me over the years to think about those particular lyrics that I'll surely talk about in a later episode that 
you know, I got that scene, uh, a, a boat with its mast on fire, setting sail for the new world. It's it's tattooed on my left shoulder. So yeah, the the music of of Ain't Life Grand is just really something. The sound shop deal was a life changer. You know, one of my friend's dads didn't particularly care for the music that we were listening to, you know, our ninth grade year, somewhere around in there, listening to a lot of, of gangster rap and stuff like that. And you know what? I mean, some of the stuff that we were listening to is redeeming. It, it It's really quality music and great lyrics, but we weren't listening to it for the right reasons at the time. And whatever his dad's motivations were, uh, we could, we could analyze, but uh, he made a deal that if we would, you know, give up some of that, some of that explicit lyrics type stuff that he would take us to the sound shop, which was the local uh, record store, you know, it was CDs at the time at the mall. And he would, he would spend hundreds of dollars on buying us new music. And so we did, we shopped around for, for a lot of classic rock. And um, it's a funny story. It probably won't mean the same to you, but we picked up a, a Kansas CD and in the store, carry all my wayward son started playing right away. And we, you know, we were like, Oh man, we knew it was meant to be, but we, we, you know, we got skeletons of the closet and we got some of the greatest hits of the dead and some of these type bands, which eventually led us into listening to bands like widespread panic and fish. Um, and then that's kind of how that story goes. Once I dipped my toes into the panic waters and went to see them live in uh, April of 99 for the first time, I couldn't quit. And two decades later, I've seen over a hundred shows, um, listened to their music for just a million hours, debated and discussed and created brackets of best songs and best venues. And, you know, just really geeked out about, about the panic. I've seen them in, you know, Colorado at Red Rocks and in LA at the Wiltern and in Milwaukee and all around the Southeast. Um, just amazing experiences, phenomenal music and just, real community really is. I've made so many friends along the way uh, who were there with a raft and a song, you know. So had to include Ain't Life Grand and, you know, if you don't know about Widespread Panic, I know you don't really understand what I'm talking about. But for those of you that do, you do. The fourth album, a little bit different, will it's Outcasts Aquimini. And honestly, you know, I tend to side with AT Aliens as their best and most complete album. In fact, I may put AT Aliens up there against any album of any genre. Um, but I went with Aquimini in this particular category because it does evoke those memories. You know, musically, Return of the G, Rosa Parks, Skew It on the Barbie, which has a guest appearance from Wu-Tang's Ghostface Killer. The title track, Aquimini, just so silky. Oh, man. And then you get deeper into it with the Spodiote Dopalicious and the art of storytelling. You know, Dre and Big Boy. I don't. I haven't listened to a lot of the, the newer stuff, the newer hip-hop that's out there. And so I, I'm sure my I'm biased as the old man from back in the 90s, but it's tough to beat Dre and Big Boy in terms of being the best. I mean the best, you know. But Equimini takes me back to my guy. It takes me back to chill. After Davidson, I ended up back at Gardner Webb, and uh, I lived in the apartments, the new apartments there, and and I just went random draw on roommates, 
first year was cool. It was fine. Ended up with some football guys um, that were seniors when I was, you know, a, a freshman kind of freshman do every year. And uh, but the second year I hit gold, I had my my sweet mates, Darren Bradford, D Brad and Jay Marr, um, wide receiver and a quarterback. And then my guy, number five, wide receiver, Will Buchanan. They called him chill, you know, um, because he was cool like that. And he would tell you that. And there are not many people in this world that I think could get away with uh, introducing themselves like that. But he's one of them. He is definitely chill. Um, you know, we were different cultures, different races, but kindred, you know. His nickname was Chill, as I said. He called me Be Nice. We watched Young and the Restless together. He was a uh, he was a Victor guy, and I'm I'm more of a Jack Abbott man, you know. So we would go back and forth on 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 Young and the Restless over and over. Uh, we would sit out on the porch, smoking black and milds, and listening to Wu Tang or No Limit Soldiers, and going back and forth. I was the Wu guy. He was. He was uh, the Master P advocate. I'd let him listen to some Grateful Dead, and he would he would introduce me to some stuff like Eight Ball, you know, not the the, the rapper. And we would we would travel down to Cool World. That was the club that we would go to. I think in Greenville, wasn't a whole lot to do around town. Um, as mayor, now I'm working on that, hoping to get some more stuff to do for for the college students around, but. Uh, but yeah, man, Aquim and I takes me back. Um, my guy Will is a—he's a principal up in in Belmont, I think these days. I haven't gotten to be in touch with him as much as I would like, but I'm sure that uh, if we got our families together, we would hit it, hit it off just like it was always, just like it always was. Last but certainly not least, would be an album that I really might say is the goat of all goats. It's tough, you know. We could. We could argue and argue and argue, but the redheaded stranger, Willie Nelson, the time of the preacher, you know, it's a concept album and, but time of the preacher, blue eyes crying in the rain. It's got one of the greatest lines. You know, you can't, you can't hang a man for, for killing a woman that tried to steal his horse. Um, amazing country music line, just as I am on a, uh, as like a piano piece in the midst of the album, Can I Sleep in Your Arms Tonight? And then Hands on the Wheel, which if you're listening, I, I, if you uh, have any part in planning my funeral, then Hands on the Wheel is, is one I hope plays. It's a, it's a life song for me, you know, at a time when the world seems to be spinning hopelessly out of control. Uh, there's deceivers and believers and old in-betweeners um, seem to have no place to go. Um, but yeah, Willie. I mean, it's Willie. So it's hard to argue against that album musically. I actually do have this one on vinyl, even though I don't even have a record player. But the meaning for this one is real, real deep. This January coming up, you know, Lord willing, uh, will be the 10th year of, of going to Hilton Head over um, in mid-January. And so... Um, we go with our friends Matthew and, and Abigail and so many times driving back or down when we used to ride together or whatever, we will pop this pop this album in. But for sure, every single year we're down there, we play 
Redheaded Stranger by Willie, and my guy Matthew sings along so loud and so proud. Um, you know, one time I got addicted to community, and that sounds weird, but I, I thought that it could be, I thought that, that it was possible to have this depth, this um, this real relationship, this this knowledge of each other that was full knowledge. We used to say this thing being fully known and knowing someone fully. And it's a beautiful concept. In fact, I think it is the concept. I think maybe in glory, you know, in the hereafter, whatever you call it, in paradise, in heaven, whatever. Like, I think maybe that is the relationship that we have with each other. That we do see each other completely. Um, but that's tough down here, you know. That's tough down here, whatever. Um we got so many limitations. We got so much baggage. We've got so much control. So much controlling us, maybe that we're not even really aware of. And so, you know, this this intimacy, this knowledge that I was hoping was was going to last because I I do feel like we tasted it at least a little bit. It crashed, you know. And this this community group that we were a part of, it just fell apart, and it was. It was devastating. Um, five years later, still, still that way in a lot of places, um, and it, and it crashed in, in, in no doubt, in large part due to my own penchant to, to get ahead, to, to, to just get carried away, um, to move faster than I should, um, to not communicate as well. Anyway. I've definitely searched my own soul on all this. So this, uh, this is not meant to cast blame or, or even resurrect any. Dig what is Brandy Travis? I'm not trying to dig up bones here. Um, but I tell you, my people that I go to Hilton Head with, they're the real deal. And when I listen to Hands on the Wheel, when I listen to Redheaded Stranger by Willie Nelson, it reminds me of them. It reminds me of how maybe it can't be with a huge circle of people, but you can have real deal relationship where you know each other's flaws and you want each other to get better and you want each other to progress and change. But at the same time, you're okay with, with who the people are, with who the person is and you love them just for that. So yeah, as, uh, as Willie sings, I've, I've found myself in you with, hands on the wheel. So, so those are my five. Um, I got to give some honorable mentions. Ones that almost made the cut tiger Lily by Natalie merchant. I mean, she did used to have a thing for me, you know, I feel like that's probably, uh, definitely true. And so I have to give Natalie merchant a shout out. Um, just beautiful voice and amazing, you know, haunting lyrics and tiger Lily, Jason Isbell. I've kind of, I was kind of a newcomer to Isbel, um, still not sure which album is my favorite. So I wrote down Southeastern and Nashville sound, uh, for his, uh, the Avett brothers have been so meaningful to, to Sarah and me. Um, and so that gleam, that first gleam album would be the one I would, I would go with here. Joshua Redman, his jazz album, freedom in the groove. I love Coltrane. I love miles Davis, hard to beat them, but I think Joshua Redman's freedom in the groove does. It's it's really just so good. And Acoustic Syndicate, which I, you know, 
they're like my friends, man. They're like my best friends. I feel like it's like I'm part of the band even. Um, they're getting ready to come and play in my hometown next weekend. But I would go with their album Long Way Round. So that's that. That's the uh, wrapping up the first episode of DT Madness. Um, I'll probably end with this quote every single time. It's from Marilyn Robinson. It's your existence. I love you for mainly. Existence seems to me now the most remarkable thing that could ever be imagined. So I'm glad you exist, and I'm glad you tuned in to the DT Madness. This episode has been brought to you by Church of Six, by the Bucket of Life, and by the Future Foundation Tower of Stone. Peace, my friends.